welcome to In the Know with Kat Bobineau. And today I am collaborating with Hey Dr. Tay, and we are going to have a wonderful conversation about being parents and in STEM. So welcome, Hey Dr. Tay. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone. Thank you, Kat, for you know allowing me allowing me to have the opportunity to co-host with you because I remember meeting you and you actually interviewed me. So it's great to actually kind of do a flip the switch the switch with this and hopefully have the opportunity to, um, you know, get into your brain because I'm not a mother. So with this topic, it allows me to learn from others. So I think that's very perfect for my situation uh, since, you know, the individuals we have coming up here have the wisdom. But for those of you who do not know me, I am Dr. Tay. I am a scientist, specifically a neuroscientist. I now work at NIH and the big things that I love to do on the outside, my passion work is advocating for diversity in STEM and allowing kids to explore STEM through a lot of different activities. Uh, so excited to be here. Thank you again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me. And then our guest today is, uh, I already asked you how to say it and I forgot, Aisha Lowry, who is <laughs> TNC Head of Global Education Programs at AWS. She works in STEM and she's also a mother. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I think this is an awesome topic. And right before we actually started, Kat and I were just talking about our, you know, kind of issues with even getting on to this podcast, dealing with motherhood. So I told her this was just like perfect timing and it's a great topic to talk about. Yes. Absolutely. So just to catch up anyone who's watching this, I usually would drop my son off at my sister's house, be able to do this mm -hmm. podcast without any interruptions. However, I wasn't able to do that today. He's in the other room currently being soothed by Coco Melon. And we're going to hope that Coco Melon keeps him <laughs> soothed for the next hour. Yes. That is too funny. Too funny. <laughs> and I, I knew this would be a great opportunity to bring Aisha in. Aisha, we always talk about STEM and, you know, we've collaborated on a few different things mm -hmm. in the past. But, you know, I think while talking to Kat about May and the programs and stuff that we can highlight during the month of May, we were like, you know, yeah. let's combine some things and talk about what people are talking about at home at the table, you know, with their family, with their friends, and that we don't actually get you know, resources and people within the fields to really talk to us about, um, you know, some of us are afraid to talk about these things out in the open or even at our jobs, right? So the other part of this is making this enormously, allowing it to be a usual conversation, a common conversation. So people will know, one, a lot of the challenges that we go through, what, that y'all go through, and me in the future, uh, you know, it's not something that you're by yourself and just unique to yourself, right? A lot of it is common. Um, so having some of those tools and ways to navigate based on your journey and your wisdom, I think is the best part of this, this, this opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we'll, we'll dive in. I don't know if you want me to start off, Kat, or you want to plug first? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to, I guess I'm with, so oh. I'm the person with no kids. So I want to come in with all the inquiries based on the conversations we have with the solo dolo crew. Um, <laughs> and I guess I'll start off with, let's start with the STEM journey and talk a little bit, just a, a quick summary of who you are, both of you and, and your, your STEM journeys, um, just in case someone doesn't know. So that way we can combine it with motherhood after we, when we go to the next step and next question. 
So I guess uh, we'll start with Aisha since she's the guest today. If you could tell us just a quick summary of what you yeah. do, your STEM past and journey and your career now. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, I know that Dr. Tay has heard this many a times. <laughs> um, but so um, I'm an electrical engineer by training. Um, when I was young, I had no idea of what engineering was, let alone knew any engineers. I'm first generation. So, you know, neither one of my parents went to college. Um, I'm the oldest of four girls. So a lot of estrogen in the house. <laughs> um, so a lot of responsibility, you know, as well. And I definitely felt that, um, you know, so just growing up, I, my parents really emphasized education and that was a big focus. And since I was the oldest, you know, I was pretty much like the second mommy to my sister's and um, just got into engineering because one of my teachers in high school, uh, when I was in 11th grade, talked to me about engineering. There wasn't all of this conversation as it is now about STEM. Like people didn't even say STEM. They started to say like SMET, which I'm glad that they changed it because SMET just <laughs> does not sound good. Um, <laughs> so I'm so happy that it's STEM. Uh, but when my teacher talked to me about engineering before that, I thought I was going to be a lawyer because I was on a debate team. I love to talk. And it was like, okay, my mom watched a lot of um, law shows in the eighties. So I was like, I want to go into law. These women don't look like me, but they look glamorous mm -hmm. and they carry a briefcase. And in the eighties, if you carried a briefcase, you were important. You were somebody. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no matter what I do, I need to carry a briefcase. Um, and so when my teacher told me about engineering, she was um, doing some teaching at a college nearby and asked my parents if she could take me with her to the university so she could introduce me to some of the professors, you know, who were in who um, who were in the different disciplines, because I didn't even realize that there were so many. I'm just like, OK, I'm interested in engineering. Now she's like, OK, well, what type? And I'm like, there are different kinds. Right. So when she brought me to the university, there were all men. None of the men looked like me. Uh, but I will say that one of the um, professors, um, he was an Asian man in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. He is the only one who actually brought a traffic light to come and talk to me. So when he brought this traffic light, he talked to me about how the traffic light worked. Um, he, you know, showed me how like computer engineers help to program the lights. That's how they change different colors. And that was really impactful to me because I was 16 and I was starting to learn how to drive. So I was paying even more attention to traffic lights than I had done before, you know, because I'm learning to drive. And he told me no matter where you go in the world, you know, whether it's a city, a town, a village, everyone is going to have at least one traffic light, right? So, and he talked about how that traffic light helped to save lives. And that's one of the things that engineers do is that they help people and help society. Um, so I thought it was really cool. And I did remember from like, you know, my black history that a black man, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> invented the traffic light. So that also you know, resonated with me as well. And that's honestly how I decided to choose electrical engineering. It was just because he brought something that I could touch and feel 
and I could relate to it. So I was right. like, okay, this is the one that I want to do while the other professors sound like Charlie Brown. It was like, wah, 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 wah. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I can't really be interested because you did not really capture me. Right. So that's how I got into it. Love engineering. But once I started working in industry, of course, as we know, not many women, not many minorities. And I felt very isolated and alone in a lot of the spaces that I was in. So I decided to pivot and really focus on STEM education, went into nonprofits and focused on that, as well as education policy um, and said I was never going back into industry again. However, <laughs> two years ago, I started working at Amazon, AWS, Amazon Web Services, and I had no idea of the whole division that they had around training and certification uh, for education programs that goes from K to 12 up to adults. So it was like a summary of everything that I had done in industry as well as in nonprofits. And I can continue to do the work that I love, which is really appealing to younger students, appealing to college students, and even appealing to adults who you know, maybe they did not go to college, they don't have degrees, but they still want to get into technology, which can be a game changer for their families. And right. so I get to touch on all those areas and really think about the strategy behind how do we go about meeting people where they are and trying to train them, not for our own benefit, you know, as much as we would love to, you know, hire additional people, we know that people need jobs everywhere. So it's not for our benefit, but the training that we provide and all of our resources are free. We provide them so that we are impacting to really help cl close the, the IT skills gap. And so that's something because it's really important to me, I'm happy to be doing this work at a company who values it as well. And so that has been my journey and, and that's where I am now. Thank you. Like, I mean, I know it's it's really hard sometimes to summarize. Yeah, I'm just like, journey. I don't want to be going on too long because I love this <laughs> work and what I do. But I also right. want to make sure like people really get the impact of, you know, the fact that I had no idea about what I wanted to do, that my teacher impacted me. And I'm doing something that I really love and I'm able to do both. Right. I'm still connected to technology. But I'm also really connected to the education as well. And so, you know, just letting people know you can combine. It's OK to have a lot of different interests because sometimes people just like when I was younger, you know, I'm sure you have heard the saying, like, you don't want to be the jack of all trades. Right. So it's like stay focused. Right. You don't want to have all these different things. But I tell students now, if you have three, four different interests, go for them all at the same time if you want. See yes. if you can combine them. So I actually I revamp that thing and I say I'm a Jane of all trades and a master ah! of all of them too. So <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. And I I use Jacqueline. Ah! I'm a Jacqueline of many <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for sharing that because you know it touches on a lot of different things, and I'm sure we'll hear about you know similar things throughout a lot of other stories. And Kat, I know you've heard it with a lot of the interviews you've already done. And I've heard it with a lot of the individuals who served in a lot of programs that I've had as well with, you know, having that relatability mm -hmm. that connects you to 
the career aspect or the journey in STEM that you eventually go on um, and how that's, you know, more fulfilling once you find that passion and connected to the career as well. <laughs> oh man, didn't work. I knew he was going to make a, a entrance. Hey, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. So, so perfect program for him to be involved. <laughs> so, Kat, we'll come to you because you know I think this is another part of the exciting part of this program for me is being able to be like Kat. You got to answer my question. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I'm not used to being on this side of the, the interviews. And I do want to take the time to thank everyone who is um, joining us and using the chat. Uh, I see you, Renee, saying that's me. She says she uses, uh, oh, sh and he wasted tea on me. I use multi-hyphenated. Okay. But let's talk about me. Yes, your STEM journey, Kat. <laughs> so, you know, I'm from, born and raised in Oakland, California. Even now, we don't have a lot of STEM advocacy. You know, we don't teach our kids about mm. it. Um, me growing up without the internet, yeah. I, you know, told people I love animals. So everyone thought I should be a veterinarian. Mm. So that's what I thought I'd go to school for. I went to undergrad, got my bachelor's in biology. I started a grad program um, in, an not animal biology, but it was in... Um, microbiology because I had an advisor who did it, who did it. And I realized that wasn't for me. Then I worked for veterinarians and I realized that wasn't for me. You know, as much as I love animals and as much as I love the work that they do and I can appreciate a veterinarian, I don't want to be the person who makes the decisions on someone's pets. Right. And um, just within the medical field as well as veterinary field, it's a lot of money. And it's, I feel like it's a lot of things that they're requiring you to do or asking you to do that doesn't need to be done, you know? Like, for example, you know, hold on, man. For example, your dog might eat chocolate, right? And the first thing they might say is you've got to give them charcoal and you have... <laughs> okay. You got to give them chocolate. I mean, uh, you have to give them charcoal. You have to give them ivyness mm -hmm. fluids. You got to do all this stuff, but they don't tell you that milk chocolate is different from dark chocolate. Yeah. Right? And that dogs really get yeah. sick. Carter, hold on. They get sick from dark chocolate. I didn't even know that. We're going to come back to me. Let me do, see what, what he needs. And uh, I'll come okay. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about our journey. So I guess we'll dive into, you know, motherhood and when it, so I, I when I, I love how they, we have this dynamic here because we have Kat who is, you know, newer to being a mother and Aisha, you've been there for a while. So uh, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, the common question and common, I guess, statement that we say as women in any type of career we always say, well, you know, it's just not the time, right? Like mm -hmm. in trying to find a good time to settle down and have the kids, you know, when things are less stressful and so mm -hmm. on. But when I think about a STEM career, I'm like, it's never the right time. No. I, I have never heard anyone in a STEM career all the way to retirement until they were retired say, you know, I have free time and availability, right? Right. <laughs> So, you know, on that on that same line of, you know, thinking about planning and motherhood and so on and, you know, dealing with the extras on top of your career, I guess, take me through that journey. How did that, you know, yeah. for both of you? 
You know, I will say for me, it's so funny. <laughs> if you were to ask people in my family, would I be a mother? They would say no, right? Because I was, like I said, you know, earlier, I was like second mom to my sisters. So mm -hmm. because of that, I honestly said I never wanted children just because, you know, I took care of my sisters. Like I took them to school and, you know, I know my parents needed help. So I would pick them up. Like my youngest sister, um, we're like almost 12 years, 13 years apart. So she stayed in the room with me. So, and my mother, she didn't breastfeed. So I would get up and get my sister's bottle. I would feed her because my mom had to be to work at 6 a.m. So I was just like, what is this motherhood stuff? Like, I don't want no parts of it, right? Take her to daycare, pick her up from daycare, go get my other sisters, help them with their homework, start dinner, you know, so when my mom came home, she could finish and you know, so I was just like, my mother didn't know how to do hair. So I was the hair braider. So on Sunday nights, like it would be like line up my sisters and I'm gonna have to do their hair and do my hair. And I just was like, I don't want any parts of this. So I really went, you know, thinking, especially once I got a little bit older and even started dating, I was like, first of all, I, this is what I said. I didn't want to be in a relationship with someone who had children because I didn't want them to have to feel like they're choosing and I didn't want to feel neglected. I'm just going to keep it so real with y'all. So it's not like I purposely avoided them, but it was, you know, it just kind of happened that way. Um, and then I meet a man who is my husband in college who adores and loves children. I mean, when I was visiting him, we went to two different colleges. When I would come to visit him, he would be babysitting kids. And I would be like, now, what man in his 20s, like, is in college babysitting somebody else's kids? You know, I'm like, we go into the movies and he's like, uh, oh, so I'm babysitting so-and-so's kids, like. So it is so funny that we have twins now. So we have twins and they're, um, they'll be 16 in July. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband in college had God twins and they were a boy and a girl. We have a boy and a girl. So it's just so crazy. I've known the, 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 his God twins since they were, shoot, toddlers. Um, and so now they're like in their 20s. So it's just, it's so crazy. Um, but I didn't want children. And then as my husband and I's relationship progressed and then, you know, he asked me to marry him. I'm like, yeah, I always wanted to be a wife. Even as a little girl playing, like some of my friends, they would have their dolls. Like, I want to be a mommy. I'm like, I want to be a wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted. I wanted to be a wife. Um, so I can remember distinctly talking to my mom probably like a year after we had been married um, to say, mom, how do I tell Dakar? I don't think I want children. And she was like, girl, get a divorce. Ooh. Because she said, you knew from the moment you met this man that he loved kids. And by the time mm -hmm. we were married, he had about eight God kids and we were going to birthday parties. And <laughs> before we do this, like I got to drop. So I'm like, sir, 
and I was feeling pressure. So I was stalling. I tried to stall mm -hmm. as long as I could. So we didn't have children until we had been married for seven years. <laughs> and every time he would say something, I'd be like, wait, but I need to do this. And I'm going back to grad school and we should get a dog. And, you know, then he was like, okay, woman, that's enough. Like it's been seven <laughs> years. So I had to really like say to myself, you already knew this man wanted children. All right. It's been a long time. What you going to do? So I think that I tell people that's how we have twins between my husband and between my mother. The two of them ganged up on me and that's how we got twins. But I never felt like I was that maternal kind of woman. Um, but it's so funny and people always said it to me and I'm like, whatever, when you have your own kids, it'll be different, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's not going to happen to me. <laughs> but it honestly did. I mean, I was fighting it up until the time, like I was pregnant. I kept telling myself that I'm not pregnant. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Until I actually saw their limbs like moving around. And I was like, oh my goodness. I feel like an alien. I can actually see like these body parts and especially my son, he would turn over and his elbow would just be poked out and I could see my belly and it would be his elbow or his foot. And I just got amazed at that. And then once they were born, I truly honestly fell in love with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's been going ever since. It truly is uh, <laughs> as Cat will well, definitely say, you know, it's the toughest job and the most loving at the same time. So you get it on both ends. Uh, and so we're going to get into that soon. I want to <laughs> I want to hear about those tough jobs, but, you know, how it's more loving and so on. Once we get let's get to Kat and Kat, tell us your journey into motherhood as well. Well, I, I actually have a similar story, um, except for I was the youngest oh. of four. And I have two sisters, a brother. And, you know, growing up, my sister actually started having kids. She's 11 years mm -hmm. older than me when I was 10. So I had a nephew when I was 10, a niece when I was 11, and another niece when I was 15. And they were in the house. So I was changing mm -hmm. diapers. I had the bottles. I had all that stuff. Even when... I went to college and I would come back for a summer break, spring break. I mean, I would land Monday, roll around. Oh, it's your turn to go pick them up from school. I went on field trips. I did all of that every time I came home from college. And so, you know, I really got a lot of that motherhood practice, which made me be like, hmm, this may not be for me. You know, I don't know. This is a lot of work and I'm only on the outside looking in. I'm not even the primary person and it's a lot of work, you know, and they would always come to me and, oh, see, okay. Well, I'm gonna get to that comment in a second, but, you know, we um, we definitely, I definitely was was weary of it, right? And so going and dating and all that stuff, I wasn't ready to have a kid. I told everybody I wasn't trying to have kids. I got plenty of nieces and nephews. You know, I have um, two nieces, three nephews at this point. And I was like, yeah, I've done all that. I've changed all their diapers. I've taken them to the store with me. I've taken them to the park. I've taken them on field trips. I've done right. all of that. I don't want it. Right. And so uh, in the comments, Tavari said I bamboozled him into a third child, which I didn't do. <laughs> But when we got together, 
I told him I didn't want kids and he already had two adult children. So he wasn't trying to start over. I completely understood the relationship continued. Then I got into my late thirties and I was like, well, maybe I can do this. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe I am getting that little bug. And if I'm going to do it, I need to do it now because I'm in my late thirties. And you know, I, you know, I don't know if it was the best decision, but I do love my son who came in here causing a ruckus. Um, and he he is amazing and he's hilarious. He doesn't let me sleep to this day. That's my biggest complaint. But other than that, you know, I'm proud to, you know, be his mom and he is my spitting image. So I couldn't deny him if I wanted to, you know, he is mine. And uh, that that definitely was my journey into motherhood. So I, since we're already on the edge of this, so remind me, Aisha, your your kids are about to be 16. Yes, yes. And Kat, your son is how old again? Two, Two and, and a half. half. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to dive into this. I know this is going to be dangerous territory. Ooh. So let's start with challenges of Ooh. being a mother while being in your STEM career. Yes. So, so, so let me rewind a little bit because I had a little terror who didn't let me talk, but um, you know, I went into STEM, I went into biology. I loved animals, went into animal biology. And then I started working in finance, mm-hmm. which happens sometimes you go into yeah. your field, but you don't actually work okay. in your field. I was living in the South. And when I came back to, to California and I would tell people I'm a biologist, everyone I met was like, I've never met a black female biologist. I've never met a black scientist, period. And I was like, how? You know, if you know a black entrepreneur, a black air air pilot, whatever, you should know a scientist. We're here. But it started me on my journey of putting out there the facts that we're here, Mm -hmm. we're in STEM, that there's a variety of people and a variety of jobs in STEM, which made me, led me to the podcast. And I, I had a TV show, a local show out here, and in all the things that I do, I even wrote a book. And currently I have children's books that's coming out based on my son called Carter Can Be. And there's a set of four. So that's my new journey. But working a nine to five, as well as going through your passions that you might have, STEM and doing the podcast and doing, uh, going to the meetings or going to meet new people or putting together a workshop and all that stuff. Is tiring. And then on top of that, you have to do it with the toddler who wants all your attention. You know, I only have one, so I'm his best friend. And, you know, it just becomes one of those things where, where they say, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to do it between five and 10 when you get off work. No, I'd have to do it at work because five and 10 is harder time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I have to juggle that maybe the weekends. I will say, um, Tavari is a good co-parent. So whenever I have to do stuff or I have to go somewhere, he steps up all the time. I'm very thankful for that because I know not everyone has a good co-parent, but he is a good co-parent. And, you know, um, whenever I need something, if I'm going out of town or whatever, he steps up. And But the struggle is the time, mm-hmm. the commitment, and making sure you are spending as much time with your kids as possible so that they feel loved 
while trying to do your passion. So I never, I never thought about that. When you have an only child, technically you are the friend. Girl, and, you and are. Mom. So when people would ask me, like, how do you do it with twins? Right. That's all I know. But right. when some of my other girlfriends who had single children, when we would get together, their kid was always coming in interrupting. <laughs> and I would be like, what is wrong with your kid? That's right? best because the thing is, I would put the twins in their high chair, in the playpen. I could cook. I could clean. Right. They would talk with each other. So I don't know anything about that. So when people are like, oh, my God, how do you do it with twins? I'd be like, oh, my God, how do you do it with this one needy kid? Right. <laughs> it is needy. They want your undivided attention. Yeah, this is so, I never even thought about this. Yes. I have a sister. So, you know, we relied on each other. We bothered each other. We yes. played with each other. You know, we talked about the parents. That only child is real. <laughs> Yeah, it's especially, I would say, I don't want to take anything away from dads, but especially being the mom, you bonded with them for really yeah. 10 months of them being inside you. They don't know how to separate the yeah. two. You are them and yeah. they are you. And so, you know, when they're like, I'm going to go do this, it's we going to go do this, right? Because you are the best friend. Yeah, that yeah. was honestly like a little bit hard for me because whenever... Like there's some babies, you know, you try to pass them to somebody and it's like, uh, they don't want to go. They like clinging to their mother, like for dear right. life, like a cat. My kids, I'd be like, oh, and they, they would latch on to the neck. They, people be passing them around and they would <laughs> just go, right? When when it was time for them to start um, preschool, I was so emotional. They were like, bye mom. And I was like, oh my God, you don't care about me? So that was really tough because they knew that they had each other. Right. So they were going and, you know, they were in the same class in daycare. So it's like I always could see Zaire or Zoe on the other side. So that single child life, I would be like, I don't know how you do it with one kid. Like everybody needs to just have twins. Right. 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 Yeah, right. <laughs> Like Everybody easy. thought I'd be emotional taking him to daycare, or you know, when I went out of town this weekend, why you didn't take him? <laughs> he has a daddy, you know. I need a break. Right. I need to take my moment, my me time. Yeah, well, thank you for bringing that up. And the other thing that I wanted to um, highlight that you you kind of shared, you tiptoed over a little bit, you know, is is you deciding to go into your motherhood during your thirties, right? And I think. A lot of times, and even myself, I have heard this so much where it was like, why did you wait this long? When are you going to do it? You know, especially in the Black community, yeah. you can go home to the family reunion. Yes. And I'm always asked, well, Sheree, when are you going, you know, yeah. <laughs> and don't you think you should have done this a while ago and, you know, and so on. So thank you for highlighting that it was okay for you to decide to do that in your 30s when you were more comfortable with it. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I get it. You you weren't pressured. You didn't feel like you, you weren't in a rush to do it, right? You did give us a little briefing about already filling the spot as a parent and parenting, right? Uh, so I know you weren't in a rush, but when you decided it being in your 30s, I think it was great being able to show share that with us as a lot of us are pressured to do it way before 30 and oh, way before we think we have our ducks even close to being in a row, right? So I appreciate you highlighting that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just to like touch on that too. I, my husband is, he's older, not that much. He's four years older. Right. And so at some points in our relationship and marriage, like it makes a difference. It doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference. It doesn't. Right. So when we were first dating, it didn't really make a difference. Right. But then as he graduated, I'm still in college. When I graduate from college, his friends are getting married and they're starting to have children and we're still dating. And so then we get married and his friends have kids. Now it's like, okay, we need to have kids. And I'm like, uh, we don't need to have kids, right? I'm like, let me just make it to my 30. Let me just make it to 30. And I made it. I, I, I turned 30 in January and I found out I was pregnant in February. <laughs> so I was like, thank you. At least I made it to 30. Like, so, but for you, Aisha, 30 was where were you at in your STEM journey at that time? So I was, you know, at that point, I had left practicing engineering and I went into nonprofits, which was also something that, you know, I was really thinking about because I knew when I decided that I was going to leave and I came home and told my husband, like, I'm going to quit my job. And he was like, okay, but you understand there are some changes that need to happen. Like that's all those shoes you love. Like your salary is going to get cut in half, sis. So I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. We're we going to have to like adjust. And we were looking to buy a home, right? So it's right. like, we need to save. Your salary is getting cut in half. If this is what you really want to do, I will really support you. So that also was something that was on our minds as well at the time, because we felt like, for us, okay, we want to get a home. We want to make sure that that's established. You know, we want to try to get the adjustment of, you know, me losing half of my salary and how does that look for us before we bring other human beings into this? Right. Um, so it was something that we were thinking about because I just made a huge pivot, right? into a totally unknown area. Um, so that, I mean, it was very scary, right? It was, it was really scary. So I had time when I made that pivot, I had maybe about three years after I made it to kind of settle in and mm -hmm. get the groove of it before we had children. And that really worked for me. Um, I would have been super frantic. I feel even more if I just said, okay, I'm going to quit my job. Oh my goodness, we're pregnant. What are we going to do? Like, we don't have no space. And right. so I was the one who was constantly thinking like, okay, I, I need to have this. I need to have this. I need to have this. And meanwhile, my husband was just like, listen, whether we have it or not, it's going to have, like, it's going to work. Like, don't worry. Like, it'll be okay. Um, but I'm happy that, like I said, I had that time within my STEM journey to kind of get acclimated with, you know, being in a nonprofit, because that was very different, like not having resources, mm -hmm. being like the cook, the janitor, the person who write the grants, looking for speakers, like cleaning up. At, like I did everything right. So that requires a lot of time, you know, as mm -hmm. well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now that we're we, I mean, we touched on time, but um, juggling time, motherhood and being in STEM. Um, <laughs> any, I, I guess I want to go on to like some stories. Can you think of any like stories that stick with you when I, when I combine those three elements, time, motherhood and STEM, 
that you would be willing to share with us? Because um, I, once again, it's hitting on these are not the most unique things to just one individual. It's actually very common for mothers, mothers everywhere, right? So just want to share that and highlight some of those and what you learned through that. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, <clears throat> to me, and it's not for everybody, but to me, it's big to have a community, right? Whether your partner is your community, you have your siblings who can step up friends who can step up, but community is like the biggest thing, right? And for example, uh, I did a STEM event in March and it was, I had partnered with this museum in Ohio called COSI. We were giving away 750 kits. I also put this program together with other organizations to right. do it. And we did a walkthrough the day before. And that's when I found out that the secret service was there and that the white house was showing up to mm -hmm. the event. And so it was the second gentleman uh, Kamala Harris's husband who came. I don't know how they found out about it. I don't know what happened. It just everything changed the day before. So now I'm on the phone calling people. I mean, my son was already going to be in daycare for a majority of it, but I was like, okay, I called his dad like, hey, you need to go pick him up and do this. I need to go get an outfit or something. <laughs> if news is going to be there, I got to make sure everything is running right. And I look okay. Right. And, um, and so he stepped up and he, you know, went and picked him up and also got him dressed and all this other stuff the day of the event. But his thing too was, our son needs to see you doing mm. this. And I, me as, you know, a typical non-mom was like, why? He's two. He's not going to remember this. And, but he was like, nope, we're coming. He needs to see this, even if he doesn't remember it. So he showed up, showed out, made sure everything also went smoothly, talked to people for me so that. Um, I wasn't completely overwhelmed, mm -hmm. but also I didn't have a toddler in my arms while I'm trying to talk to the second mm -hmm. gentleman and the secret service and chasing him around and doing all that stuff. Like his dad st stepped up and kept him still mm -hmm. so that I could do what I was doing. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think that is important as well, right? We don't we don't think about that at all, right? <laughs> I mean, no. we we think we have the conversation about villages. We have the conversation about thank you for allowing me to see, still be in my career while being a mother, but we never combine those. Well, we rarely do, shall I we, say. Yeah, we rarely and if, do. And if it is happening, we're not talking about it at home. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's amazing. Aisha, do you have any, I know you have some similar stories. Oh goodness, yeah. I will say <laughs> that um, when I went back to when I went back to work and I started traveling, I would, the twins were probably toddlers. So they were maybe 18 months, two years old, somewhere around that time. And, you know, I love them to death, but I said when they were born, like, I, I think I may want to stay home and talk to my husband. And he was like, I mean, okay, if that's what you want, we got to do some readjusting because we about to lose the other <laughs> half of the half. And but then when they came and I stayed home with them, I was like, I got to go to work. I need to. I am so serious. Like that is a I mean, I think people really underestimate stay at home moms mm, because yeah. it is a job. You're not just sitting around watching soap opera like it's tough. So I stayed home with them for three months and I said, I have got to get the hell out of here. I have to go to work because it was already just kind of ingrained in me. That was my identity. And 
you know, for some women, if that's what they want to do, that is perfectly okay. But I also think it's perfectly okay for other women. If that is not who you are, you should continue to still have your identity. Mm. So, you know, I went back to work. I'm like, you know, I traveled for work. Okay. This is going to be my first trip traveling. And my own mother said to me, who's going to watch the twins? And I was like, um, the person who went half on their DNA with me, their father, right? Yeah. And I think that that is still within even some of our communities. We get help and we talk about this village, but there are still a lot of stereotypes, right? There's still very much gendered roles that people have. And that is just mm -hmm. a gender role. And that's just how my mom grew up, right? Still, the woman still takes care of the kids. And when we were younger, my mother didn't travel at all. Like, neither did my dad either. But, you know, it was, if anything was going on, we were with my mom. Like, my dad was there, but we went with her. And so she just didn't understand this dynamic of, wait, your husband's going to watch them while you're traveling? Like, he is their father. I'm not leaving them with a complete stranger, right? Mm -hmm. So I will say that that was something that was really eye-opening to me. Because I was like, wow, like my old mom asked me who's going to watch the kids, right? So that was like one thing. The other thing I will say is, is similar to um, what Kat said is just making sure your children see you in action, see you at work. It will be much easier for them to really understand sometimes why you are away. Uh, right. Because I'm always on the move and I'm always on the go, that is something that I have learned over the years that is really important for me. So even when I travel internationally, the twins come with me, right? So I was in Ghana last summer. They came, they got to see, and it's like every time they see me, they're like, mom, look, I, we did not know, like, you are, okay, you are pretty awesome, right? right. So when I can't, when they were younger, it was harder to explain like, oh, I can't come to your T-ball game or this mm -hmm. and or either I would feel guilt, that mom guilt, and I would be breaking my neck, getting on a red eye, haven't had no sleep so I could make it to this game. Right. But as they got a little bit older, I had to let them know, like, listen, um, you want mommy to be the best mommy she can be. Right. So mommy needs to also take time for herself. And that was something that we had to talk about, have conversations. So now that they're older, they understand and get it. So if I can't make it back to their game and I'm not going to break my neck and take a red eye, I'm like, daddy will record it. Tell, call me after your game. We'll talk about it. But that's also something important. Like kids should see you at work. And then we should also, you know, have more conversations with kids about just like you like your space, right? Like mommies and daddies need their time in their space so they know and they get it and right. you know sometimes it's like mommy is off duty today so do not ask me anything <laughs> but I, I love that you know so it, you made me think about when, so my mother was in the navy the majority of my childhood mm -hmm. and she would leave for you know six nine months at a time on the ship and we'd just be like well, why should why you know <laughs> so it was and one thing that you mentioned was being able to just communicate with and say hey well call me after the game and we'll you know talk about yeah, the details yeah. and i remember to this day i have like a file 
um, on my email where I emailed my mother little, you know, things that I, I think is really goofy today, like my first love and I really love him and we're going to get married and, you know, didn't happen. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's amazing still having that communication and that yes. line open, right? And it's also a learning lesson there too, where it's like, you know, regardless of where I'm at, I want you to still feel supported. Yes. So I don't have to always yeah. be next to you. And if I'm not next to you, that doesn't mean that you lack support from this parent, right? Um, and I, th I think that's a great way, a great example of that as well. And of course, the exposure to your career kind of definitely helps with answering those questions and seeing what that looks like, but also seeing what parenthood and juggling parenthood looks like and getting that glimpse early, right? Um, it's, it's, you, it's better to get it early before it's too late. And that's, that's always been my phrase. Um, just a matter of introspect and perspective. So yeah, let, let me uh, add to that. And like, first of all, thanks. Thank you, Steve. He said, great discussion, sir, with authenticity. Appreciate that. Um <laughs> But what I will say is when Tavari and I separated, right, he, uh, you know, we weren't on the greatest terms at that point. And he wanted like half of the time with our son. And I was like, no, you know, I'm the mom. He's with me majority of the time. I'm not going to do that. But on the flip side, it was a lot of pressure and it was a lot of stress because he doesn't sleep through the night. To this day, he doesn't sleep through the night with me because I'm his best friend. He needs to be right here next to me, touching me. If I get up to go to the bathroom, he's like, where are you going? He's going to cry. And um, so I was like stressed mm -hmm. out about it. And I had a, just one therapy call, one therapy call about it. And it was a child therapist. And she was like, you know, we've been taught that as the mother, you're the one who has to step up and you're the one who has to do everything. And it all falls mm -hmm. on your shoulder. And if you don't do it, you're not a yeah. good mom. And that's a fallacy. That's a yeah. lie. That if you have a father who wants to step up, let him step up. What's the, you know, if he wants to be the person coming here and keeping him overnight and you get a full night of sleep, there's no problem with that. Yeah. Or if he wants to step up and, you know, he want to keep him for the week and now you get a full week to do your work, to catch up on whatever mm -hmm. you need to catch up. Society is wrong yeah. on that and let him right. do it. And so I had to like reevaluate and be like, okay, I can let, you know, let the reins go a little bit, let my son go with his dad. And, you know, once uh, like a month in, I was like, this sleep is glorious. You want to keep yes. going? Yes, girl. <laughs> you want to stay over there? I will, you know, I'm still going to go over there and mm -hmm. hang out and we'll go to the park for that. Anytime you're going over there, great. <laughs> yes. I will say that. That is so, I mean, that is so true. I mean, even just thinking about like Mother's Day was last weekend, right? I always felt like, oh, Mother's Day, I need to be with my kids. My kids need to be with me. But then when Father's Day came, oh, let me give him a break and have the kids and have the kids be with me. So I would joke with my husband all the time. I'm like, uh, the kids with me Mother's Day, the kids with me Father's Day, the kids with me this, because I just felt like, oh, as the mom, I have to be with them. So right. that is something I've learned. So this mother, like, you know, now on Mother's Day, it's like, what you want to do? I'm like, be totally left alone. <laughs> I want peace, quiet. Mm -hmm just to do absolutely nothing. And that's what I want to do. Right. But I feel like there was always this expectation and I got that from my own mom too. 
She would always like, I need my kids with me. And I had to get her conditioned to that. Right. My parents are in New Jersey. I'm in Maryland. So, you know, especially when we first move, are you coming back home? And I would feel such guilt like, oh, I know mommy wants and I'm the oldest and I got to be the responsible one to do right. But I had to have her to understand, like, mommy, I'm not going to come home because I'm tired. Mm. I'm exhausted and I need to rest. And so it was hard that first time telling her, she was like, oh, really? So you're not going to come home? And she was trying to put that guilt on me. And I was like, mommy, (laughs) I need to rest. And so now she's used to it. So even this year, she didn't even, she was just like, oh, so what are you guys doing? Mommy, I'm going to be home. Okay, you get some rest and relax and enjoy. And so, you know, I, I think, like you said, we have to also ask for help. Right. And even if people don't want to step up, we have to push them to get out of their comfort zone sometimes and be like, hey, uh, hello, I need you to help me. And I think it's really hard for us, not only as moms, but I think also being in the fields that we're in, it makes it like just compounded because we don't like to ask for help at work either. Right. Right. Because we will be deemed like, oh, does she really know what she's doing? You know, as a black woman, we have to make sure we're assertive and we know what we're talking about and we can't be weak and we can't look this way. So that really does play a part, you know, in motherhood and being in the STEM field. And so we have to learn how to ask for help at home and ask for more help at work. You know, I say work smarter, not harder. Right. So it's like, well, I don't need to be breaking my neck to show people that I'm working hard. I'll just need to make sure the results are produced. And if that means I get other people on my teams, like, listen, this is what we need to do. I I cannot break my neck anymore to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on the lines of this conversation, because I know we're coming to the end. So I want to ask before I get to the last question. Self-care. Do you both have some type of self-care regimen that you, you know, throw in there every now and then to offset motherhood, career? I know Aisha, marriage, um, cat, I don't know what you're doing over there, but whatever that is. <laughs> and you know, all the the STEM outreach and advocacy that both of you are doing outside of the career, the motherhood, and everything else. Right. Um, where is the self-care? What does that look like? And if you have it, because that's completely, you know, normal too nowadays is just not having a self-care. It's not the healthiest, but it is a common answer to that question. I mean, that's a good question. Um, I will say I probably don't have the best self-care mm-hmm. because doing stuff in STEM is like my, my self-care from not doing my nine to five or dealing with okay. my son. But I will say some of the, um, every once in a while I get to throw in something STEM related, but it's not me really doing a lot of work. So for example, I'm a part of a group called STEM Seas, and you get to sail on a boat for a week with these uh, undergrad students and they're learning about oceanography or uh, hydrology or anything or marine biology. And uh, I usually go as not the teacher, but like a mm-hmm. TA, which means I don't have to do much, but just show up and like be there. 
So with that, I sailed the, the Bering Sea in Alaska. Mm-hmm. We sailed from uh, Washington to, to San Diego last year. And this year, I was invited to go to Iceland, from Iceland to, I forget where, where they're, they're mm-hmm. landing. But, you know, it's still STEM. It's still, technically, I'm still working, but I'm also away from everybody. I'm on a boat mm-hmm. eating great, <laughs> doing my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I love that. Take me with you. <laughs> I'm like, where do I sign up? That sounds wonderful. Right. I send you the information. Oh Absolutely. Yes. I love that. That's um, that's self care times a million. Yeah, um. <laughs> that is great. I'll just say for me, um, and I think I have definitely had to learn that it wasn't something that I always had done. But mm-hmm. just because the kids are older. You know, once they started being able to like make their own sandwiches and they can use the microwave and, you know, just with them being a little bit older, I said, you know what, I need to actually do something for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was a part of those conversations with talking to them, like, don't you want mommy to be the best mommy that she could be? I need to sometimes be able to just kind of like decompress away from being mommy, being wifey. Like Mm -hmm. I need to like click in to Aisha. And I was like, when I come back, I am refreshed and I'm not biting y'all heads off. And (laughs) you want, y'all want that, right? (laughs) And they're like, yes. So I'm like, you want mommy to be the best mommy and the best wifey that I can be. I need that alone time. And so I started doing more things for myself, you know, like just going to the spa, right? And just trying to have a regular regimen, right? It's not as often as I would like, but I still make sure I get it in there. So that's one thing that I do for myself. Um, You know, sometimes I do staycations, right? I'll be right here in Maryland and I'll be like, I just need to go to a hotel and spend the night alone and you know just sit in the bed watch tv catch up on work and just complete utter silence and that has i mean it's just one night but i really come back like okay i feel refreshed because although i may say i'm going to my office and i need to do work i may get asked 50 million questions by all three of them Right. (laughs) Right. So I'm like to do that is refreshing. And then the last thing I'll say is I actually joined a black mother group in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And these are moms of like all different at all different stages, um, all different um, like backgrounds, industries. And I love it because you can kind of hop in and hop out. Right. You'll find a group of moms that. I ha- I might have 10 different things that I love, right? But maybe some of my girlfriends don't love to do that, right? So mm-hmm. this way I can jump in. Oh, there are people who like to go to revivals, right? Okay, there's a group. Okay, we're going to go to revival. Last weekend, we all got together. We went to the Janet Jackson concert. And it's like, girl, we're going to go to the concert. And this weekend, mm-hmm. there is a conference called the Mom Friends. And it's only moms and we just get together for the weekend and we have workshops to tune into ourselves, 
you know, we have like real talk about our bodies and just stuff that, like you said, Dr. Tay, you know, that we may not say out loud. And it's mm -hmm. like, sometimes like, I don't like my kids, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes my husband gets on my nerves, right? <laughs> kind of taboo it's like oh you you should you, like you got to whisper it and say it like in the closet right but right. it's like we have these conversations out loud and it doesn't mean that we don't love our kids or we don't love our partners or our spouses right. but we all we're human beings right we all get on each other's nerves and get irritated and we we should be able to talk about that right and so I am leaving on Friday and I'm looking forward to the weekend <laughs> just relaxing I know that's right. I love the fact that both of you have shared your self-care basically says mothers have lives outside of being a mother, right? Like you're always a mother, but there's some additional things. And then I really, and this is the funny thing, my head automatically went to this, Aisha, when you said, uh, you know, your kids can make sandwiches. The fact that that now is a standard where you are okay with leaving them. I love that bar, right? Can you make a sandwich? All right, I'm out. Like, yes, can you make I that love sandwich? that. Yes. I love that. So I guess we're going to end soon. I'm going to throw it back to Kat. But before we end, I want to ask the last question, which is if you could tell anyone and everybody out there who is listening, is going to listen to this later on about being a mother and balancing your career and everything else. Um, your journey, the challenges that come with it, and even the blessings that come with it. What would be that one thing you want us to all learn about your story and take away from this conversation? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one, one of the biggest thing is uh, everyone's journey is different. Do not compare yourself to anyone else. Don't compare your birth story. Don't compare the age you decided mm -hmm. to have kids, who you decided to have kids with, whatever you decided to do in your life when it, when it comes to your work, when it comes to balancing, you know, everyone's story is different. And when you start comparing and you start saying, oh, I like the way they did this, or they, I didn't do this correctly, mm -hmm. or I, you know, we, we, we create these false narratives in our heads that we're not good mm -hmm. moms, right? There is no book on being a mom. There is no better way. Your child's personality is different than their mm -hmm. child's personality. What works for them may not work for yours. And it's it's fine. That's a-okay. Just realizing that as you go down this path, maybe, hopefully you can find someone to talk to. Hopefully it's your partner. It's your friend. You find that mom's group. You know, I don't necessarily think you should tell your whole story to social mm -hmm. media, but everyone is different. And, you know, if that's how you need to get it off your chest. Right. fine but just know that everyone is different and being okay with absolutely that. thank you and aisha yeah what i would say is when people like oh how do you balance i'm like there is no balance when people say <laughs> oh and they have these seminars and workshops on balancing no so i will tell i tell moms that sometimes i'm like listen you're not going to balance. I mean, sometimes that's just, you're going to have a handful over here one day and nothing in this hand. And sometimes you'll have mm. five things and two, you're this, it's not going to be equal, right? Mm. Even being in a marriage, like, like they like 50, 50, everything's not going to be 50, 50. So it's not always equal. I completely agree with the things that Kat said as well. Everyone's journey is different. So just focus on what it is that you want to do, you know, who you are and your children, and they're going to be peaks and valleys. So on that mm -hmm. path, 
you know, you're going to go up, you're going to come down. And those phases are going to change um, as your children grows, as your relationships grow, and as your career grows. And it's okay that that changes. Mm. It should change. It should not remain the same. Absolutely. Thank you. And I think everyone with that is listening, that is sending comments, you know, with the real talk and authenticity, authenticity behind this conversation, they're getting what I feel from it. I appreciate both of you and being open and able to speak about your stories. Because like I said, I'm, I'm one of the millions that's probably going to listen in that doesn't have this story yet, but will have this story. So it's good to know that there's a lot of common ups and downs, the peaks, the valleys, you know, Yes. becoming a mother and knowing that you're more than just a mother and you can have a life as well. And I could take all of those lessons with me as I decide when this is going to be my journey to take place and for me to go embark on it. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I'm going to throw it to Kat to end us off. Yes, yes. Thank you both for joining today. Thank you for making me the spotlight, <laughs> which is rarely because I'm always the one interviewing um, I want to thank everyone who joined us tonight, everyone who listened, who's going to listen later, watch this later. I think this was an amazing conversation that that needs to continue. Um, and Dr. Tay and I have been talking about upcoming podcasts. So on the 31st, we're going to be talking with an OBGYN about Black maternal mm -hmm. health and why that's very important. And in June, we want to talk to the dads. We want the dads to join us and talk to us. You know, we want to celebrate Father's Day and have conversations about being a man and working in STEM or and being a father. So if that's what you want to have that conversation, join us, be a guest or be in the comments. We would love to have yes. you. Thank you, everybody. All right. That's it, you guys. Thank See you. Later. Have a good one. <laughs>